Hi, and welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. My name's Jose, and I'm that squirrely guest who somehow got suckered into leaving the in-show to this podcast episode. Uh, with me, these beautifully talented voices, trust me, uh, voices made for radio, but uh, they're, they're great. Uh, Chris Sinclair and Drew Garrison, and yeah, my name's Jose, I'm a, the bar manager at Empress Tavern in Sacramento, and we're here to talk about uh, getting back to work. Wow, that was lovely. That, that was, was great. That's ma- that was, magic that was off fantastic. the hip. That was great. That was. I don't regret having you on at all. No, and the, <laughs> you definitely had the first part figured out, and then you could tell that you didn't think <laughs> past like the first like two sentences, and then you're like grasping at straws. But that was great, dude, Jose. Thank you for joining us yeah. on the Good Bottle Podcast. I'm Drew. And Chris I'm Chris. And um, we're totally official now. We're we're back in the the podcast chair after after taking a a week hiatus to um, you know kind of just be silent for a week and let pe- other people have uh, the forums. But now we're back and we're back to our shenanigans of of drinking and talking stories and we actually have a a different little format for you guys tonight which we'll get into in a second but first chris what are you drinking oh baby i am drinking foxy rose i am so excited i like this is such a mind fuck of a drink Uh, i'll hold it up there we go um it is it it it's from Paso Robles. It's from Field Recordings, uh, a small little winery that's getting a lot more notoriety lately. Um, it is not just rosé, but it's also been flavored with uh, with grapefruit and Simcoe hops. It is weird and delicious, and I don't understand why it works, but it freaking works, and it's so dope. And it just makes me so happy. And it, it, it comes in a can. It doesn't come in a bottle. It comes in a can. Uh, only. Only in a can. It's great. Wow. Jose, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking uh, 10th Street's uh, Single Malt, uh, their peated expression. Um, really uh, appreciating the new American single malts that are uh, popping out um, all over. Um, little young but not overly uh peaty uh good fruit coming through on it um yeah that's quite nice i, I agree with you I, I i really like the american single malt um sort of genre is that is that the right thing to say genre family i don't i don't know but um i i enjoy it as well there's a lot of experimentation with uh some really cool quality that's coming out mm-hmm. where are you at drew what are you sipping on i am sipping on a um on a cast sample actually and this sample is from the oishi distillery in japan which is a uh, rice distillery and this one was aged in madeira barrels so it uh doesn't have an age statement on it and i have no idea what the abv or anything like that is because it just came in this tiny little bottle (laughs) what Um, what does it feel like (laughs) The the whiskey or the bottle? Or the uh, age statement. 
Um, what does the bottle feel like? <laughs> smooth. You know, with with when it comes to the Oishis and the the non age statements that they do, because they recently released um, a ten year and an eleven year sherry and brandy cask. Um, so it's got some pretty decent color to it for you know for the time for being you know probably sub 10 years because obviously they would throw it on there if it was 10 years but i don't know maybe in like the anywhere from like the five to seven range is what was what would be my guess um and the madero really really shines through it's kind of what i like about rice whiskeys is it it really plays well with the cast that it goes into and you still know that you're that you're drinking this rice distillate because that's still you know, is a thing, but it, in, in this situation, this is the first time I've ever had it. And actually I have no idea if this will ever be bottled. Um, because we, we just got notified that we're getting a bunch of new Oishi cask, uh, come July. And this was not on the list. So that's why I decided to drink it tonight. Cause I was like, well, who knows what's <laughs> going to happen with it. Um, but you know, like I said, there's a lot of other fun Oishi, ones out there and uh it's a it's a cool japanese whiskey that i wish people wouldn't be so dismissive of because it's a lot of fun and you know people get hung up on like well it's you know it's not real japanese whiskey it's actually sochu it's like well no it's a whiskey because it it's all the whiskey rules for america it's a whiskey um so it's but it's it's really good it's fun i'm i'm glad that i realized that i had this today and picked it to drink so. I, li- I like Oishi. Uh, I don't like a lot of, I would say, a vast majority of rice, rice whiskeys. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say rice spirits because I, I, I do like soju and whatnot, but rice whiskeys. And there, there's a certain uh, expectation that I have out of whiskey. And oftentimes rice whiskey just doesn't, it just doesn't meet it. It's, it's usually too thin, but Oishi usually comes through pretty well. Yeah, they do a, they do a really good job with their their barrel picks and you know obviously there's a little bit of it bias here but we import this as well and the guy who's in charge of uh of picking these casts and stuff like that he's he's got quite a nose for whiskey and so he knows what to look for and he knows what to what to bring over and i think people are pleasantly surprised um you know, like i said if you go with the younger stuff definitely you can tell it's like a rice base but once you start getting into that uh those older ones like it's it's really hard to tell we're just kind of like oh wait a minute there's it's familiar it's a little bit different but uh fun nonetheless so if you guys ever come across some oishi whiskey uh drink it so all right drew let's uh let's dive right in let's jump in let's jump into what we're doing and um what we're going to be talking about so chris actually sent me this a few days ago and this was a survival guide that he came across that was done by Tobin Ellis. And um, basically, it's this 96-page document that covers COVID and everything related to it. Uh, actually, the tagline is strategies and tactics for the hospitality industry. And we brought Jose in because his bar, Empress Tavern in Sacramento, is going to be opening up this week, right? Uh, we, we have our meeting tomorrow, and we're, we're hoping that, yeah, we get the green light to get going as soon as possible. Yeah, hopefully well, uh, by Thursday, Friday, but we'll see. On top of that, 
some of the things covered in here, Jose has already been doing. Um, uh, in the meantime, you know, because they haven't been operating at full capacity. They've been oper uh, Everest Tavern has been operating with um, with to goes and curbside pickups. So they've they've already been operating. And and some of the ideas in here, I was like, oh, when I was reading through, I was like, ah, Jose's already doing that. Well, let's talk to him. Let's bring him in. And I'm curious what what Jose has to say about some of these other ideas, and um, see how they fit. Very very cool. Um, so so like you said, this is a this is a 96 page document, um, and oddly enough, there's very little filler. <laughs> it's it's mostly full of. Um, of good good stuff but it's it obviously it starts with a with kind of like a forward by tobin and um you know again he's a former bartender hospitality designer and ops consultant now um and so he put this together there's a lot of different contributors to it uh right off the bat and this is a term that i actually want to adopt is he refers to the time or his friend refers to the time before covid as old earth um which I love so much more than like the old way or how we're going into new normal and stuff. Like, I don't know why, but new normal bugs the shit out of me. Yeah. It bothers me too. I hate that. <laughs> and I think it's, I think, you know, words are important and um, you know, and also like if you're talking like new earth and, and stuff like that, it's, it, there's also some tie into comic books. So, you know, that's, that's definitely what, what I'm all about. But um you know, it is, it's just great. So here's a nice little forward. And, and again, we're going to share the link for this stuff after. So you guys will be able to see it. But um, I think of course you get into your table of contents, but then it goes right into the to go economy. And this is something that a lot of places have been doing and um, as a way to keep the lights on, if you will. And Jose, I know you guys did a to go program. So how was it for, for you guys? Uh, it, it was the, the green light happened. I remember uh, a Thursday night, like at 10 o'clock the, when California got the green light to be able to offer, um, to go cocktails, uh, to go spirits and immediately our, our immediate thing was let's just sell what we can approachable. Like we did just the bare basics, like, Moscow Mule Kits um, and margaritas. Let's just kind of throw something out and then we'll, we'll kind of circle back around and really um, showcase what we ended up becoming and, and, and offering through Empress Tavern. But um, yeah, it was, um, the, the mindset was approachability. Um, and one of our biggest things was uh, like branding and packaging. Um, so much of what Empress is is that um, feel and vibe of coming down into the to the basement and um, you know, you're underground and all the brick and such. But like, what what are we uh, if if not that? So it's like, how do we make um, the it, a transferable thing? So and it, it, this goes on to touch about it later. But uh, the fried chicken and family meals. But hey, hey, here's a uh, in in phases we did. Negronis, old fashions, margaritas, mm -hmm. and long drinks, things that are approachable to guests, like they understand it. And then from there, we grew it to uh, revolvers and um, penicillin cocktails and um, things that people can still put through a menu and, 
and dive into into a, a 16 ounce and and liter size format of, of cocktails um again paired with uh, our our cuisine um as well and then so you you're talking about a little bit of the branding um with that and that's actually that's actually talked about um with with uh in this section was there was there anything on like boxes or anything like that was there like stamps or stickers or just to kind of remind uh, people or anything like that of where they got their stuff from we we work with this really great designer graphic designer uh ben de la rosa um if you've ever been to our restaurant you'll see uh the empress logo and just the graphic work um such a big thing of what we do is our movie menus and all of the cool um, icons that he designs for for the menus, um, but we have just you know a little sticker that says Empress Tavern cocktails to go. Uh, it's the Empress um, holding a a, a wine glass. Um, we used hungry colors, uh, red and yellow, to kind of uh, you know make people feel comfortable. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's um, we we were ahead of the game because. We already had these uh, convenient uh, 16 ounce bottles that we were going to use through the crest. Um, so when everyone was kind of scrambling to find uh, mason jars and um, jelly cups and such, uh, we had these um, sealable, uh, safe, um, uh, consistent containers that we could uh, put a sticker on that uh, we took the time to have these nice labels done. Um, so it's something that, you know, when you, go to the soda aisle and you kind of see that visual. It's a comfort. Totally. Yeah. And that's, and that's one thing that they discuss in this section is, you know, uh, having that branding and then, you know, trying to create an environment, even though they can't be in your environment. You know, and I think that's been something that people have, you know, some people have done a really good job of other people, you know, not so well. Again, we're still trying to, you know, figure out, what the hell is the best best practice but so chris for you in this section what what were some of the things that really stood out to you as um you know maybe a little bit more innovative or just kind of fun and that you want people to you know read up on when the time comes to check this out well i think if we if we start with texas roadhouse in this section and and their algorithm of, of realizing that people um People like the idea of their meals, but also still, and that comfort of something familiar. But if they give them the option to cook stuff at home that, and, and like provide the, the meal kit, if you will, um, or the toolkit to their own experience that people were not just into it, but they had, you know, Texas Roadhouse had lines around the block in many of their different locations and this is a chain it's a chain store right who is there and they're serving uncooked meats which is just crazy like you're something that you're not supposed to be able to do but this time it's so it's it's just clever i guess right um but then going going to chris elford and anu uh, up at navy strength and and how they sort of evolved they they started off you know serving um serving punches and cocktail kits and not just so people can make their own, but um, so they, they can make five of their own, you know, it's like that family meal style um, they can make. And then when they 
they took away the the option to make five of your own and they left it with with ten that people were just as into it in that in that way that and their sales doubled right and yeah. so they were they were able to be be successful even in a time of hardship um, just because they were able to think on their feet and 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 pivot and read the room you know they they didn't just get stuck in their own heads of like well this is too hard i don't know what to do they just they just did work yeah i mean if, if i can yeah uh when uh chris had posted um maybe a, a couple weeks into it he, he shared this insight uh i mean i totally read it line by line and i mean he was absolutely right kind of um we we never did a single cocktails we offered them you know as a um three five and, and and liter sizes because again it's just that kind of comfort of um you know again not res- everything responsible but you know it's value driven you gotta like uh, you know we're we're not dealing with margins anymore it's just kind of like give something familiar um that people can take home it, it, it's absolutely right um, I think when you're saying value driven though jose i think I think we're talking about um uh, uh values and not the value of a dollar right like we're not we're not talking about about what I can get for the least amount of money we're talking about an experience that no no, is no absolutely, absolutely yes yes um yes fresh you know the things that um uh, people might not be able to just kind of walk into their kitchen and make you know it's still fresh juices and, and um, homemade unique spir- um, syrups or, or tinctures or uh, combinations of, 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 of spirits that you know, they might not have at, the, at their immediate disposal. It's still um, a taste of, of Empress and, and you know, all of all my friends and, and their respective bars, like these are unique things that, um, that are, again, just comforts. Yeah, I can't, I can't stress that enough. It's just uh, that that word of uh, enjoying tank house or snug or Empress Tavern at uh, at home. Absolutely. And you know that's a, actually a great segue into the next section of of the thing. And so the next section is you know redesigning the guest experience, hospitality, not hospitals. Um, one, one thing that I was concerned about and, you know, just thinking about my experience when I go out, because I, I, when I go out, it's like, I go to be wined and dined, right? I go to places that the hospitality is top notch. Um, Jose, not to toot your horn too much, but I don't know if there's anybody in Sacramento that's better at it than you are. Like you're just so above and beyond when it comes to making people feel special. And in this section, except for me, except, well, <laughs> but you've burned so many bridges, so it's fine. You, you kind that's of work there. So it's your, yeah, it's your <laughs> basically. Um, so, so with that, you know, being the case, I mean, I was thinking about like just different experiences and stuff. And it's like, how are you going to feel when, um, you know, you're sitting at a table and it's a nice restaurant, let's say, and first of all, there's no utensils that are on the place to start with, you know, on the table to start with. It's just a, you know, a blank canvas. And then your server walks up to you and they're wearing, you know, a, a mask and maybe like one that you're only used to seeing at the dentist's office or at the hospital and immediately takes you out of that, 
out of that mindset. And so the first, the first section is actually from the anonymous bar in, in Prague. And they actually for since 2012 have had their servers and people actually wearing masks and all kinds of different things. It's very theme based. And so, um, Chris, for you, what are, what were some of the sections, um, in this one when it came to hospitality that stood out to you as kind of unique and fun and something that you think people can duplicate, um, you know, around, around the world? You know, for first, uh, I love V for Vendetta. I think it's an amazing fucking movie and even better um, graphic novel. Uh, the graphic novel is fun because it's lots of drugs and sex and witchcraft in it. So that makes it even a little bit more exciting. Um, but the movie is fucking fantastic. Um, so that aspect of donning the Guy Fox mask and, and when people enter, it's a nonverbal greeting. You know, it's just a, a light, a light nod and a gesture and people are on their way and it sets the tone for everything. I think that's that the theatrics involved is incredible and it's something so subtle, right? Um, that people notice, but they also kind of don't notice, you know, it's just, it's something that's more emotional and that's, that's a, a, a message I've tried to deliver to folks about the restaurant industry and the food and booze industry for so many years, which is that eating and dining is not an intellectual experience. It's an emotional experience, you know? And so you have to stop thinking about it on that level. Uh, you can't write essays on your, on your menu. It has to be, it has to be something that's delivered emotionally in through text. Um, what Tobin does in this section, though, and I think it's really key to start off with, is he starts talking about um, about journey mapping, and that's that's huge. I mean that that's that's pro talk, that's lingo that that doesn't get thrown around a lot, except by people who really know what they're talking about. And that's that's the that's the experience from the moment that you walk, maybe not even walk through the door, but the moment that you approach walking through the door into the moment that you leave. How does that, how does that experience, you know, exist? Like what, what, what occurs um, and, and defining that journey. And so that's, I think starting with that in mind and, and anonymous bar in Prague crushes it right out the gate, right out the gate. But then we start looking at, packaging meals you know we i've been working with uh, last supper society at, at good bottle um which which does a very similar thing um to uh to jolene manina right and that's mentioned here and she has packaged up her her meals in ways that she can deliver that experience at home through a cooking class you know, and Last Supper Society guys that I that I've been working with, um, they Byron and Ryan, they they're crushing it, and they get anywhere between you know sixty to two hundred um, uh, guests, guests, customers. I, I, what are we calling them now? <laughs> um, like like, like they're always guests uh, a week. You know, so um, changing their this was a, a group of guys that started off with, with wanting to do dinners that were entire experiences. And now they've had to alter their, their, their complete business formula. Everything about their, about their idea, their concept has to shift. 
and now they're delivering that same concept, but at home for people and doing, uh, doing their events and their classes now on, on Instagram live and they're crushing it. You know, they're doing a great job. So this, you know, they start talking about that with throughout Las Vegas. And, and that was one of the highlights for me. I, I want to say the, the last one that really did it for me in this, in this section was the butts and seats section um, where they discuss simply just filling up the seats that are normally there, not removing them, but with teddy bears. <laughs> I think the yeah. mannequins, the mannequins uh, one fucked me up just a little bit. I think that I, that would be a little <laughs> bit unnerving. Um, but the, the teddy bears and the, the stuffed animals occupying the seats next to me would just make me so happy. Yeah. So, so what Chris is referring to is there is a, um, actually a, a Michelin starred in, uh, in Washington, Virginia that put in like old timey mannequins around their, their seats and stuff. And, and it was, and I think it's, I think it's creepy as hell. Um, I think it's so fucked up. That would, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fan of it at all. I, I, <laughs> I did talk with, um, Tyler Williams from, from jungle bird a few weeks ago and that's a tiki bar in Sacramento. And they, um, were talking about doing it. Actually, his wife had the idea to do it. And, you know, of course, they didn't pull the trigger quick enough. So now they would be quote unquote copying. But they were like, it looks creepy with old people. But if you could imagine a bunch of mannequins wearing tiki shirts and tiki dresses, it totally makes sense for tiki. And I was like, you know what? You're not wrong. That actually would probably be a little bit more, a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, some of the other ones, like you said, there's there's teddy bears all sitting at the bar. There's also another one um, in Thailand that they put stuffed panda bears um around now jose you don't have to give away everything because i know you guys are still working on it but um are you guys using any stuffed animals or mannequins to <laughs> at, at empress you'll have to come and see uh <laughs> no uh that that's uh it, it's again just i'm just gonna be that word that it's the, those comforts of you know uh if you come down to empress tavern off off k street on a on a friday night you there's a hustle and bustle and you kind of walk in expecting to see if you're first time there, like there's, you know, 200 people that are just hiding down there and you're going to about to walk into kind of an empty cave. Like it, you know, you, it's, it's that comfort of like, it'll eat up the echoes. It'll, you know, make you again, just make you feel more uh, comfortable when Yogi bears kind of staring at you from the other booth, you know, <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. It's fine. Uh, we might do cats. I don't know. People love cats. Uh, you know, I'm uh, there. If that's if that's the case. Um, so you know, the section talks about a few more things, and then also um, like the right amount of like sanitation that needs to go on. And then, um, in fact, there's one picture of you know getting back to the show business, and it is uh, it is a med student wearing a mask that actually has like a window in it, so you can still see her smiling. So you know, kind of that whole thing. So it's a really, I mean, again, guys, another really fun section that covers a lot of different stuff um, that, you know, we're not going to go through it page by page, but definitely check we, this thing out. You know, you know, in my store, uh, we've left, uh, we left hand sanitizer and wipes as well as a spray bottle uh, visibly um, near the entrance. So that way people could see it, but it's, it's led me to rethinking sort of the concept and, and not just, for now for what people think is acceptable now you know like when people walk mm. in you're like oh good i want to see cleaners but i think 
re readopting this into the long term and, and and what that looks like. I I I've started playing with the idea of mounting um, sanitary wipes to my to my liquor shelves that are just they're just always there. It's just part of the it's part of the the aesthetic now. Kind of like being in a gym. There's just like disinfectant wipes everywhere. Yeah, yeah, but in something that matches, you know, something right. that works. Not with some aesthetic. big plastic thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, you know, that way when people walk in, because I mean, sure, we're going to get through COVID, but who knows what else is coming? And there's so much other shit out there. Like, might as well keep ourselves and our clientele sit, uh, uh, safe. Totally. Well, so, so we did, you know, discuss somewhat of a structure as, as we go in, but uh, as Jose will be able to attest, we really don't plan that much on these things. <laughs> um, but this was another perfect segue into part three, redesigning spaces. Um, so in this section, it basically covers the different um, methods that people are using. Now, if you guys remember, we had a interview with Brian Nelson from Pioneer Cocktail Club that was uh, few episodes ago and the first section is called glass case of emotion and i wish i would have said that to brian then because it totally fits for what he did with his bar i went with the hockey penalty boxes um which i still think is a you know a good one but not as good as the glass case of emotion and then just shows a series of pictures from from around different places that are putting up plexiglass dividers and and things like that um Jose, what are what are some of the things that you guys are doing at Empress that is kind of creating that separation um, and you know the the safety for for your people who are going to want to dine in with you? Um, it's for for the uh, immediate um, opening. You know, it, it's going to be kind of an unpopular um, view, but no bar seating, just absolutely no, no, no bar seating. Um, because we're you know, not only for the staff, but for, for guests, um, you know, we're, we're totally adhering to these things. So um, we've, we've kind of redesigned our dining room to have uh, some more booths and those are going to have uh, plastic partitions um, between them. Um, everything is, we've taken a, a, a yardstick to this whole, restaurant and making sure that um safety 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 first again not just for the staff but for guests so they feel comfortable um, coming in and uh, knowing that that we're taking the proper precautions to make sure that uh, they come they come back and their uh their their safety is is, is at the top of the list for us mm. and then uh chris for you what were some of the things that you saw in um in this section that jumped out at you you thought was interesting well i've got i've got an art background and the design of some of these places is just spectacular i mean these are not cheap and don't i don't know they're not cheap and so it would require someone with either the means to do it themselves either uh, creativity and with technological know-how or the pockets to be able to hire someone to do it. But I, I loved, absolutely loved the, um, the, the individual two top, um, uh, uh, greenhouses that were along the river in, in Amsterdam 
as well as as well as the geodesic domes um, that looked like it went anywhere from a four top up to up to like a twelve top, and that's just I mean that's just fantastic, and it's filled with lights. It creates its own experience all within, and I don't see any reason why something like that needs to go away. You you yeah. end up in your own space. I when I was reading through this section, all I kept thinking about was table service at a nightclub. Like, how does that, how do you reconcept that, that idea of creating your individual space? Like, so you're not just paying for a bottle and a, and a chair, right. In a nightclub, yeah. but you're, you're paying for an actual experience. Um, and, and with some of these ideas in here, I don't see why you couldn't, you couldn't easily do that. One of the other ones that, that stood out to me is um, a section called an American snug where Tobin had developed this, uh, this small, this interior space in a, in a, um, a restaurant in uh, North Dakota, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. In Bismarck. <clears throat> and what it looked like is, is my old restaurant that, uh, that I was working in uh, just before opening the store, which is Casbah. It has those arched, um, arched doorways, arched ceilings uh, and, and slim slim sides still pretty tight to each other um but in this case it's high tops as opposed to that casbah where it's pillows so i immediately sent this over to debbie you know i was like hey check check this spot out debbie debbie's my old my old boss one of the owners over there uh who i i talk to maybe easily three times a week still because she's probably my favorite boss that i've ever had and she's just a, a wonderful human being she is awesome. um, agreed um, but, but we, uh, so I sent her, sent her this, so we, they, cause they haven't opened yet, you know, and they, they were fighting it for a long time, but I think there's a lot of great ideas, especially in terms of reconcepting the space. That space is so easily redeveloped into something that, um, that could be still cozy as the design of it naturally is. Um, but still develop into a way that, that allows people to still come in and share the space. Yeah. I, I really love the snug concept. Um, there, uh, the zombie village in San Francisco has kind of like this snug setup with tables and back booths and, but they're all made out of bamboo and, uh, oh, what a great idea. And it looks yeah. and it, and it looks awesome. Right. Um, and there's a few other restaurants that, you know, just do a really, really great job uh, of that. So I'd really like to see more, you know, people really embrace it and still be able to fill a spot, you know, but feel safe at the same time. Um, and do again, you do you imagine that some of those places are going to, are going to go back? Do you think that they'll tear some of that down or do you think that they're going to stick with it? Well, so, you know, fuck, man, you're making it seem like we prepare for this stuff. We really don't do that much. <laughs> um, but uh, so, so, the, so the next thing is, is the COVID part four is COVID resilient business models. And this talks about adopting new ideas and what you are going to move forward with. So Jose for you, some of the things that you guys have talked about that you have implemented, are any of them, do you think, going to stand the test of time that you will continue to do? Um, 
to take that word I said earlier that we had a good laugh at fluid, you know, it's, it's literally a, a day by day. Um, you know, the waters are changing by, by the hour. Um, you know, we're, we're going to go at least out the shoot um, with a QR code to minimize um, contact. Uh, so it's can be kind of very minimal um, service components to, you know, uh, but also like people come down for that. And so how do we, how do we um, still incorporate, you know, uh, I appreciate your comment, but you know, I think uh, the one, someone who's great in our industry is, is, is my boss and Chloe and how is she going to make you feel welcome and talk wine and shop and going on the community and stuff like, so um, it's how do you embrace this new kind of technology, but still you know, make it, make it as such as you're sitting in, you know, in your, in your living room. Um, so I, I think that's gonna, gonna be something, you know, something that we already do is movies. Um, I think we're just gonna go absolutely just nuts and, yeah go like straight up blockbuster style and you know every other day we're gonna have a movie of the week a movie of the day kind of and just still try and, and wow people with um what we do from, from the bar side as well yeah so nuts and and then uh i know for for myself in this section he put he put in a little part about telephone bars and it's this it, it used to be a trend apparently where you would sit at a table and there were just telephones at every table and you would just answer the phone and you would you could talk to just random tables from around the restaurant which i think is uh you know it's it's a fun way to commu- to create community i don't know how you execute it in today's world um tin cans and strings there you go yeah yeah (laughs) or you know uh i've been taking my daughter to a lot of different parks throughout throughout our town and um they have those pipes that if you can talk into them and the the sound travels through the pipe and goes to the other side of like the little play structure and you can talk that way so that's that's another possibility but uh chris was there anything in this section that you saw that was that was really interesting well, uh, apart from the the obvious shout out to uh, Sasha Prochowski in Milk and Honey, and really, um, you know, Milk and Honey on the East Coast was the cocktail bar. You know, it was the prohibition speakeasy style bar before that was a fad. They created it, just like on the West Coast, it was um, uh, Bourbon Branch. Uh, both coming out about the same time, but really leaning into that hospitality, leaning into that that expertise, you know, not just a bartender who, you know, who's a gunslinger, but but someone who knows what they're talking about, someone who takes their time, someone who who executes flawlessly. Um, and I think that we've been leaning that way for a while. Um, and we almost as a, as a culture started going backwards. Um, people don't want to see flair people. Oh, they want to see flair, but they want their drink first, which doesn't work. And people, <laughs> people want, people want, you know, their cocktail and they want it to be made well, but they don't want it to take 20 minutes. Right. 
um, especially when you've got a line of tickets that's falling onto the ground from that printer that just makes that awful noise that I still have nightmares about, even though I'm not in the restaurant anymore. Um, I think that that really stands out talking, talking about that level of expertise in hospitality. And Rick Dobbs really touched on that during our, during our discussion a few weeks ago where, where he was saying, you know, it's the, it's going to be, you're going to have two sides of the coin, which is one, the fast and furious and two, the, the expert and the experience. Mm -hmm. And, and how, and those are going to be his, in his estimation, that's going to be what we're, what we're sort of left with. Um, and, and so I, I see that as, I don't know, completely ringing true, but I, I, I definitely see uh, another section in here, which they talked about uh, is the velvet rope theory, you know, of, of that having those small places that only a handful of people can get into, um, you know, a place that was, you know, a concept that was sort of made popular through sex in the city as well. Um, uh, you know, how do you get into those places? How do you get into those, you know, how, are you cool enough to be able to deserve a table at this space? Um, or have you gotten in there? I think with rising prices, inevitably in the future, that that's going to be something that we see. That being said, I think the telephone bar is, with today's technology, mounting an iPad at every, you know, or a tablet at every table, so that you could, like, anonymously talk to someone or whatever at some table and you just don't know who it is and it's got to be it's got to be done the right way but i think it could be really really freaking cool kind of like kind of like uh, those old school uh diners like you gotta uh, on the east coast they're everywhere but on the west coast it's pretty much just mills that has like the the jukebox you put a quarter in and you can choose a song yeah yeah. Yeah. It's like that level of engaging in the environment. If you can find a way to redevelop that and, and reconcept that into a way that's accessible to everybody to, to really engaging in the entire environment and not just their own table, I think you're going to win. Yeah. And I think, you know, it doesn't necessarily get into it here because, you know, I talked about in previous sections, but hopefully one of the things that uh, changed throughout this process and, you know, the pivot that the people had to do was, you know, hopefully to go to cocktails remain a thing you know, to help people weather the storm. And even after we get to a point where you can, you know, pick some food up and grab yourself a cocktail as well would be, would be really great. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping that ends up being the case. Uh, yeah, I mean, so we, me too. I, I, I will say though, uh, one final note is that I was really excited that, uh, that Tobin reached out to Jill Coxon. Um, Jill is uh, someone who I've, I've been lucky enough to be on, be on a couple industry trips with. Uh, over I don't know, the last decade or so, and, and she is amazing. She's fucking brilliant, and and I reached out to her uh, to leave a comment on on the Dobbs episode uh, in hope hopes that she would reach out and just leave a and and I think she was afraid that her opinions would be a little too unpopular and might not go over well, but and she's she's also really humble, so I'm I'm definitely blowing smoke. Uh, she's, I think she's a fucking genius and she does an amazing job and she runs very successful businesses and she's adherent to, to a few concepts, which is, you know, hospitality first, low overhead and making the guest experience everything. 
which I think is, I mean, that's sort of what we're, we're in for. And I think a lot of, a lot of bar owners get lost in the numbers of let's pack as many people in here as possible so we can make our money. And she, she refuses to accept that as, as the model um, or at least as the end all model. Uh, and so I have a lot of respect for that. And I was really happy that Tobin reached out to her and included that in his, in this uh, playbook. Because yeah. I think she, I think she has a voice that's that's definitely worth listening to. Um, because she's and especially since she she's in a smaller market, she's not in she's not in a major market, right? She's not in Chicago. She's not in San Francisco. She's not L.A., New York. You know, she's in the middle of the country, and so this speaks to a lot of people totally. who might be in the same same, uh, you know, in the same same boat. Yeah. And I think that's, it's more of an overall point, you know, when you do sit down and and look through this document, you know, there's a lot of markets that are represented, a lot of different styles of places represented. I mean, you know, to kind of call back to like the Texas roadhouse, you know, right at the beginning, like I was caught off guard by that at the beginning. I was like, what, why is this in here? And then it totally made sense when you read the section. So um, moving on to part five, uh, it's pivots with heart. And this is basically referring to, you know, a group of different places that shifted their mentality from, you know, being this consumer driven deal to basically becoming um, food service providers for people in the industry and, and things of that nature. And Jose, you guys didn't quite make the full transition to that but what you guys did do is you offered free industry meals to a you know number of people each day what was what was the thought process behind that decision making and how did you guys make it possible um we partnered with um friends um private um donations uh, just from our regulars and guests but also just kind of uh, a lot of liquor brands some of them started these initiatives themselves like hey you know they they would approach us and say hey we have x amount of dollars you know um right away we just um we weren't sure what it was going to look like and where a lot of people's um uh, next meal was going to come from Uh, a lot of uh out of work hospitality and, and i'm talking um, servers, bartenders, bussers, line cooks, um, beer tenders, baristas, um, anyone really um, who worked in any kind of hospitality, um, you know, they had a lot of trouble um, getting their unemployment um, in those early goings. The, the system was just flooded. So if we could help alleviate um, that, that worry of like, hey, um, what's for dinner tonight? Um, uh, we wanted to help with that. And I'll, I'll tell you, uh, a lot of <laughs> these are servers and bartenders who are out of work and we're giving them a free meal. And so we're walking it out to them and they're just like, here's money. Here's like a tip. We're like, no, 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 no. Like that's just, again, the spirit, one of the spirits of the hospitality, like we have nothing or I have little, but I'm still going to give it to you. Um, again, that's just, I, I just have to, really give thanks to to everyone who has that kind of mentality of like pass it on and pass it forward. But um, yeah, we were able to feed a lot of people um, as long as we could with, with, with that kind of um, um, donation set up and, and partnerships with, with uh, friends and, and brands. 
Totally. Yeah, you know, to kind of speak to that mentality, um, I don't know if you guys recall, but after Cinco de Mayo, you know, I had numerous accounts that were posting like public apologies and stuff for, you know, wait times being long or them running out of food, which, you know, you think about it, you're like, this is the most impossible situation that you can prepare for. I mean, this is typically the biggest day of the year for you and you've been closed for a month and a half or only doing to go orders for you know a month and a half and all of a sudden you just get ransacked on this day and um to still come out and be like we're sorry we weren't prepared it's just like oh my god this industry can sometimes be too much you know or it's like you know give you guys selves a little bit more credit you know or anything like that um chris was there anything in this section that you want to point out for that you liked or that was cool. I think it's, it's exactly what Jose was sort of saying, which is the industry never ceases to amaze me when it comes to its willingness to give, you know, we are, we're full of people pleasers uh, for better or worse. And, and oftentimes we take that hardship on ourselves um, which is a problem, which should say, say a lot when the industry speaks out and asks for help, um, that it's a group of people who typically just want to give and don't want to take. Um, and when you look at either shifting of business models or a non-business model, as as was the case with, um, oh, let me see if I can that the Babar, the Vietnamese restaurant in Seattle that just just kept cooking and stopped taking money and started serving food, right? Like they just, they just, they didn't shift models. They didn't try to survive. They just used what they had to be able to take care of, of the community and take care of the industry and take care of health providers, which is fucking incredible. I mean, who does that? You know what I mean? Like that's, that's, I don't want to say it's unheard of, but when you're saying, Hey, shut down your business, you're not going to make any money, but also, you know, we're not going to make any money, but we're going to spend money in order to take care of our community. I think that speaks volumes. And and somebody who's not touched by that is a soulless piece of shit. <laughs> that's all I got. Yeah, there was a lot of, uh, you know, redeeming stuff and, you know, some positives to take out of this. Uh, so moving on uh, into the next section. Which Robots! Is, yeah, so uh, part six is called Future Shock. And if you didn't understand that very abrasive yell that Chris just let out, <laughs> he was talking about robots. Um, and so in this section, you know, they they talk about science basically coming to the rescue or however you want to look at it. And, you know, you start with like disinfecting things and how a lot of people are going to have to do that. And then you get into uh, just interactive buttons where you actually don't have to touch it, door handles where you're not using your hands, key hooks, uh, temperature uh, takers, again, not no actual contact being taking place. And then really getting into like the touchless revolution in food service, which I believe, um, Jose, you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier about what you guys are going to do, but we know, I know for sure, um, you know, the Pioneer Coxo Club, like you come in, you download an app, that's how you're going to order all your food. 
And um, so you're not touching menus or anything like that. You're able to pay your bill, everything through the app itself. Um, and then it also talks about uh, robots actually serving you. So Chris's excitement was valid um, <laughs> on the plus side. And I'm, I am somebody who's very much so in favor of uh, universal basic income because I do think robots are taking our jobs. Uh, they're not coming quite yet for hospitality because if you thought the, the margins were thin before uh, in this industry, it's going to be really thin after you buy one of these $100,000 robots. Or uh, three. Or three. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so again, Jose, I know you, I know you did talk about it a little bit earlier, but what was some of the technology that you guys are, are using and have used so far, you know, through this pandemic? Uh, Jose, you're on mute. Yeah. It's hard to talk when you've muted yourself. Yep. There you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hospitality, the restaurant just, I hope it never goes just robots. I mean, it'd be cool that like a robot bar back of sorts where <laughs> you could just kind of like have a program to feel like shitty jokes or something, you know, dad jokes or something. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. But uh, no, and even with this uh, kind of QR code um, kind of thing, it, you, it still needs... Uh, that kind of human touch there still needs to be that warmth and um you know just what can i do for you uh, you know chris said uh we're, we're people pleasers like it, you're gonna tell me like hey like don't go talk to people and it's gonna just be like the most like you know like mark newhauser like wanting to hug people i just want to go talk to people like making this poor shot of mescal or, or whatever so uh, you know, it, it's it's going to be tough, but um, you know these these QR codes and um, contact lists or um, single use, um, you know that that uh, Fight Club line of uh, single use friends, um, you know it's 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 a scary notion, but you know I think the hospitality industry is really is going to the, the true professionals are going to find a way to really give you those experiences that we were talking about earlier. See, um, that's what I'm getting nervous about because. All I want is a bar back that I can talk shit about and, and berate in front of customers. You know? Well, no, no. I, how, are, I, how am I going to, how am I, I can't berate a robot in front of my customers. They're not going to feel sorry for the robot. They're not going to be also <laughs> lightly to my side. You know? What, what, where's the fun? This is bullshit. We're going to have to have like a teddy bear robot no see so I'm, I'm, pic I'm picturing like 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 a like a uh what's the movie called a short circuit like a johnny five oh kind of yeah, thing with yeah, yeah, yeah expressive uh eyebrows yeah. and like well johnny five was ass. alive so oh, yeah, a robot. there's that <laughs> tell me that you would not come hang out at empress with if i had a johnny five bar you would not be able to get rid of me if you had johnny five <laughs> I feel like there was a robot that was put that was supposed to do like this cross country trip and was like like that, it had like the personality and stuff like that. And then when it got to Philadelphia, it got <laughs> I believe that was a story that was the thing <laughs> years ago. So I don't know if we're ready for this kind of stuff. It got broken down in Philadelphia or like or or it, it had too many emotions that it couldn't make it past Philadelphia. Like people trashed it. <laughs> 
they saw it, they were like, fuck this robot. <laughs> and then that went from there. Um, they threw batteries at Santa Claus. I mean, what did they do to this oh, robot? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, a, it's, it's a rough thing. So, but, you know, there, there's a lot if, of, a lot of I like. I get a Rosie from the Jetsons to, to make me drinks. And uh, that, would, that would be the perfect dive bar bartender. If you have Rosie as a dive bar bartender, I would never leave. Yeah. Rosie, that's my dream team. Rosie is the dive bar bartender with Johnny Five as her bar back. That's it. That's, uh, uh, that's it. I'm sold. I'm never leaving. The, I've never no, encountered uh, a team that better than that. There's no like room for C3PO? Fuck no. No? Like, he's the no. No, he, he's, he's the manager. He's the he's the manager everybody hates. I, I can I Yeah, because he that. can speak so many languages, you know, that yeah. he can he can talk down any any customer. Yeah, um all right. He's, you that, can he's tell, that manager who like jumps on to the to the expo line and doesn't really know how to expo. Like does not compute, does not compute. Wow. I love it. Can can there be like a robot podcast after this? Like it just like this gives birth to Yeah, I think that's know. where we're heading. Might, it might develop into a new segment, like, you know, put together your dream scenario robot bar back team. You exactly. Know? There you go. <laughs> um, this thing, so this section does finish up with kind of like what what China's doing in terms of guests. And, you know, it's a total just invasion of privacy. You get your own QR, QR code and you can't go into places unless you are free of the virus and have been taking you know getting checked and stuff so it's really batshit crazy and it's you know obviously something that would not work in the u.s but um check it out you know, it's, it's, i will say i will say reason this. enough to read this i yeah and i've had enough conversations with people recently who are like well this has been going on for four months i was like well what, what do you expect i'm like the virus is real it's not pretend yeah and it doesn't give a shit about your invasion of rights and privacy yeah. and right? it's still so, yeah yeah. So of course it's going on for four months here, whereas in in China it didn't. It was a month, not gone. It's they're seeing a new spike, but you know, not it's they were able to do what they wanted to. If if we had decided that we were just going to lock down, then everybody had to prove that they weren't infected after a month. It you know it would we wouldn't kind of still be dealing with it in the same same way. Not saying that I am communist in any way, but <laughs> at least we at least we can acknowledge some facts in this in this case. That if everybody had just gone the fucking side and shut up, that at least okay, we'd be place. All right, get off your soapbox. Next section. Um, this and actually, again, kind of kind of a good segue. Part seven: the sobering reality. And um, in this section, our sobering truth. You, you hear from a couple different people, um, one of them being Michael Mayone, who's the owner of some random bar in Belltown, Washington. That's actually what I, That's the name of the bar, not, not just not, some random not bar. Just, I'm being disrespectful. <laughs> um, and, you know, he, he, he released a short video that you can watch that uh, basically just shows why it doesn't make sense to open right now. Um, and the primary reason being when you are in this industry, it's not a situation where you start even with your debt to profit making potential. You don't start at zero, you start at negative and you have to work yourself back to zero and then eventually into the profit margins. Um, this is something I've discussed with multiple accounts. Uh, a lot, I, I know two 
that I can think of right off the top of my head that have no intention of opening anytime soon underneath the current regulations. I know another one that was open for a week and then recently just shut back down again because realized it was not worth it for them anymore. And then, um, Chris, I know there was a part here uh, titled The Two Pandemics by Keith uh, Saracen that you wanted to touch on that um, is a really, really good good deal. So what did you have to say about that article or that op-ed? Well, it's, so Keith's, Keith's takeaway from that was, or maybe not takeaway, what, his point was that this industry was struggling before um, we encountered this breaking point that is COVID. It's, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily an economic problem. It was a cultural problem. And I'm sure that there are, I know that there are more than what Keith touched on in this, but what Keith touched on was the fact that there are, this industry brings, brings in misfits, people who don't get along in normal society, people who can't sit behind a desk, people who are the people pleasers, people who, you know, need, need attention, you know, in order to feel whole uh, and, and everything in between. In no way does that mean that anybody's necessarily broken. It just means that we're all human, right? And this is just where we found a home. The problem is that the economics and the, the psychology behind it hasn't added up for a long time. You and especially once you start adding race and and socioeconomics into that, it's a broken system, and it's something that that uh, again even Dobbs touched on while we were talking. It needed to be it needed to be shook up a while ago, and it hadn't been. What I think is great, potentially great, is that we're in a position now where the consumer is ready and willing to sort of just roll with the punches where six months ago they weren't, you know, if you were to try to redevelop an entire booking system and seating system and redevelop how, how restaurants were employed and how people got paid, people weren't ready for that. In fact, there was a lot of, a lot of struggle against it for many, many years. People have been trying this for years. Um, you look at Danny Meyer who wrote setting the table and you know, he got sued multiple times for, you know, keeping, keeping money from people, you know, in terms of tips, because those tips aren't going to people, they're going into salaries. Um, so this, this isn't a new problem, but, I think we're finally at this at this precipice where folks will be more accepting to say, okay, well, in order to get into this restaurant, I have to book and I have to go online and I have to make this reservation and, and this is my seating time or whatever it is that somebody imagines in order to create a special experience. I think I think people are finally at that point where they've been sort of shaken free of the old paradigms and they're they're able to see it. What I hope though, is that for the industry is that folks can start getting paid better. And it's less about, you know, working those doubles and doing a, you know, 
drinking after shift in order to decompress from that woman who yelled at you for an hour straight, you know, and pretending like that doesn't have an emotional effect on someone, someone's psyche and someone physically is crazy. And having to go through that seven nights a week is, is insane. So it's time to change that up, you know, and it's time to stop being that people when you go out to eat. And it's time to stop being that person who, who sub, submits themselves to that when you go to work. That's what I got. Jose, any thoughts? Uh, scary times. Um, but I think, uh, you know, like what Chris is saying, like, I think it needed to happen just, you know, and it's a topic for, topics for another day of like, you know, what else is going on in our local and, and, and global society is like, you know, thing, there, there needs to be uh, shakeups. There needs to be new direction. There needs to be new discussions uh, about a lot of different things, but um, as an industry, as um, new um, standards um, where we're heading into kind of uncharted waters, but um, I think, um, the hospitality industry is a very, very, very resilient uh, group of uh, creatives and individuals that um, will find a way to make it work. Um, you know, you don't necessarily go uh, places for certain things. You go places for certain uh, feelings. And I think, um, Amen. Uh, you know, you'll pe- people will find a way to make those connections. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, something I was, after I read that article that I was thinking about was, um, you know, the, the food and food and beverage is, is an international language as far as I'm concerned. And it's a great way to get into different cultures by way of, you know, what you're eating and drinking. And I know that's something that's going to survive and, you know, we don't know what new earth looks like and we're going to figure that out and we're going to figure that out together. Um, you know, again, coming, looking through this entire thing, seeing all these different contributions, looking, you know, through the social media feeds and finding out what's working for people, what's not working for people. You know, this, this past week obviously offered us a much different perspective on a lot of different things in terms of the protests and stuff like that, and kind of really took the focus away from, from COVID and it's going to continue to be the case. And there's a lot of changes that need to help it need to happen in that world. But, you know, we, we also need to get back to work and hopefully with all, you know, with the veil kind of being lifted and people not being able to hide or escape with like sports and different events and stuff like that. There's been a lot of inward, looking and development I think a lot of people have had to do and I really hope that with as introspective as this industry can be and the people that can be in it I hope that that continues and that we do see a lot of changes Um, and it's going to be hard and there's going to be a lot of people who don't make it Um, like I said we've seen it we're going to continue to see it I think people are going to give it the old college try and just realize that it's not worth it and it's going to be a really nasty situation Um, or, you know, another bad scenario is somebody's going to get sick at a restaurant or a bar, whether it's an employee or 
you know, consumer that they're like, you know what, I went into this place, they were not practicing or doing this or that, you know, now here's lawsuits. Now I'm, you know, I'm sick. And so it's going to be, it's going to be weird and um, at times shitty. So with, with that said, there is one more section, believe it or not. I know we've been talking for a long time and I, it might seem like we covered all of this, but there's so much to unpack in this whole thing. And um, the final section is just all the data. And Tobin went and just pulled, I don't know, every fucking <laughs> like survey that was done. It just, it goes on and on and on. And what this, and if you're into graphs and charts and stuff like this, I mean, this is your section. This is, this was built for you. And, um, and basically what it does is it, it, lines out multiple different things um what the consumer confidence is what people are looking for out of restaurants so you can look at the percentages and kind of be like okay like these people want to make sure that we're doing this these people want to make sure that we're doing that you know what are the demographics of people that are more concerned versus less concerned so this really arms you with as much factual information as as you can really handle and you're willing to to you know work through um you know, I've personally seen over the past few weeks, a lot of people, even with the restrictions in place, love the fact that they can go back out and they can enjoy a restaurant. You know, um, this is part of the returning to normalcy for them. Um, with that being said, there's a huge segment of people, myself included, where I'm just like, I'm just not going to put myself at any unnecessary risk. I'm already out more than I truly feel comfortable with, but it's part of my job and it's what I have to do. So um, with the gazillion graphs on here, uh, Chris, what are some of the ones that jumped out to you as interesting and that people definitely need to take a double look at? All right. Well, uh, if we're looking at age groups, what we're looking at is boomers uh, are, are really looking at at not cooking for themselves uh, overwhelmingly across graph from graph to graph. What we're looking at is an age group that wants service and they want comfort and they want relaxation and they don't want to be stressed, which I think is a huge takeaway from this. Um, meanwhile, we're looking at, at uh, millennials. Millennials are missing the excitement of going out. So you're looking at, two sort of paradoxical um, uh, experiences to eating out. So I think it's going to be key for anybody who, who is opening either a new place or some place or redesigning a concept that's already open is identifying who that, who your key demographic is and catering to them. Um, keeping in mind that you can't please everybody, but um, but damn it, we'll always try, but yes. Yeah, of course. I mean, you want everybody to feel comfortable, but I think trying to please everyone is, is always damning. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, on, on top of that, most people aren't, are, feel like you do, Drew, right? Like they, that this, all this data suggests that most people want to get out. 
They don't want to be stuck in their house, but they're trepidatious. You know, most people, most people are taking it slow. So they want to feel safe. They want that escape though. They don't want to be stuck in their house. They don't want to talk to the same fucking people that they've been talking to the entire time. They want, they want a new experience, but they don't want to put themselves and their families at jeopardy. Um, which I think is totally reasonable. I, I don't think there's anything, anything wrong about that line of thinking whatsoever. I think that I completely empathize with that. And then lastly, I would say the when we're talking about consumer confidence, touching back on on that right amount of um, cleanliness, right? Um, and not, not sort of breaking that fifth wall, but allowing people that sense of escapism while still making them feel safe. This data suggests that over and over again, that people want to feel safe uh, in, in their experience. And it's gonna be on, it's gonna be, it's gonna be on us the the people who provide those experiences to ride that line to make sure that they feel safe without pulling them out of the experience right like walking up to walking up to a table in empress wearing a trash bag might not be the right thing to do you know <laughs> it's going to keep people safe and it'll be clean but it's probably not the right thing to do. So writing, writing that line and interpreting that as you will, I think is gonna be huge. And this data definitely supports that. What else you guys got? Uh, Jose, wh why don't you take a, take a crack at it? Um, as someone, well, let me kind of open. Bender, Bender from Futurama would be the best bar back. <laughs> yes. uh, he would drink all your booze he would drink all your booze you are terrible yeah, but, at hiring but, people but 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 that's not atypical uh, of barbacks though also you you <laughs> yeah see it's it's uh, we're we're shooting close to the mark uh basically because he doesn't drink it i mean he like recycles it goes into his like stomach and you rebottle it and you boom there you go oh i've God. thought it through good point uh, as as an operator, you know it's um, it is a lot, uh, you know, and I hope um, the listeners uh, take the time to you know just kind of glance through this. But um, going through these things, some some we've tried to play out every scenario, and like just take it from the front door. Like, what do we need? What do we need to make people feel safer? And so some of these things are like, fuck, like, we, we didn't think of that. Like, what 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 about that kind of point? Like, how can we address that? And um, you know, that consumer confidence is, you know, it's, it's all about just these like key words. And, you know, so, um, I, me personally, it, it's interesting to me because I've been working the whole time. So a lot of these things I haven't had to go through. I haven't kind of quote unquote been stuck with someone, you know, and like I, I go kind of go out every day into from home to work, work to home. Well, you're still so, stuck with Chloe. So. You know, there's that. Uh, <laughs> I'm ready for I'm ready for some guests to come through. But uh, <laughs> um, no, it's 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 a lot of. Uh, I mean, yeah, to Tobin else. I mean, just 
really knock it out of the park um, with with all this kind of information and um, I'd be interested to kind of have a discussion with someone who's read it as a guest after and like hey like where do you think you felt you know you put yourself on the range of of these things and you know but yeah it's 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 a lot of really really good information I think I think everybody needs to take a hard look at themselves and, yeah, yeah. and and really figure out where they feel comfortable and what they're hoping for. Um, I think yeah. just diving into the same old, same old is it's, it's a non option. And if you, if, if you're deluded enough to think that it is, it's only going to lead to problems. Right. So really, really diving in and exploring what it is that, that we're going through personally, emotionally, and, and physically as an experience and then communal, um, I think is going to be the key to really surviving, uh, both as a community and then, and then just individually, right? Like you, you have to, you have to check yourself every once in a while, you know, before you wreck yourself as the saying goes. <laughs> mm uh all right guys well so that is kind of it in a nutshell now there's tons of resources and a nice little uh um resource guide here at the very end of it as well so you guys can check it out and as a reminder just go to um we're going to share the link but you can go to barmagic.com and you can see the entire 96 page um guide and and again it's 100 percent free so it's definitely mm -hmm. worth checking out and there's a lot of good information that honestly we just we would be talking for even more hours if if we did it um but to to wrap up we do have a new section that we wanted to or a new segment we wanted to include are we um, talking shit about brad again i can't wait no no <laughs> damn it that is coming gone and we're rest we're putting that to rest forever sorry jose um, no <laughs> We're going to, yeah, Jose actually probably has amazing stories, but um, yeah, we're going to put that in the book. So um, what we're going to do now is, you know, again, in light of recent events and, and everything like that, I think it's, I think it's important to continuously build up our industry and highlight some voices that need more highlighting. And so what we want to do each week moving forward is we want to talk about uh, just one person or both people that one of us is either one of us is following on social media platforms and just give them a little shout out and a plug. And hopefully you guys feel like you need to go and follow them as well. Um, of course, no peer pressure, but I think we both came up with a pretty good people. So Chris, who is your social media follow of the week? Well, in terms of the no peer pressure, fine. <laughs> but if you don't do it, you're a little bitch. So <laughs> there's that. Don't want to be uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to, I'm actually, it's not a person. It's a group. Okay. Uh, it's Brown and balanced on Instagram and Facebook. Brown and balanced. Brown and okay. balanced. It is a, it is a group of, of um, black bartenders who got together and created their own, their own group. Um to share their voices within the industry. Um, not saying that there's a lack of black bartenders within the bartending industry, but specifically in the sort of the, we'll, we'll say the craft side. 
um, their voices are definitely not heard of, you know, or heard from as, as often. So uh, this is a group of well, a lot of friends of mine um, and they do good work and then, you know, they do, they throw really fun events and they, you know, their message is, is not in your face too much, you know, but it keeps, it keeps the, keeps the work alive and it, it allows people to see that like, Hey, we like, they do exist. It's cool. That's great. You know? And, and they've been lately having a lot of, a lot of chats on, on Instagram live that, that have been a lot of fun to, to be a part of. Very cool. Um, so, so my follow and is, uh, is actually Ashton Berry. She is, uh, imbibes 2019 Barton of the year. And, oh yeah. And, um, Ashton's actually someone I've been following for, for a while. And it's just, you know, she's always been very outspoken about issues within the industry and it's not just regulated just to race or anything like that. It's, you know, being a woman behind the bar and a lot of other different issues that we have within this industry. And um, so she's been sharing lots of really great other influential people in the industry via her Instagram. And um, her Instagram is called The Collectress. And it's just, it's a really good follow right now. Um, in addition, she's also just super talented. I think she's bartending out of New Orleans right now. Um, I know she's been in a couple of big cities, but I believe she's in New Orleans at this point. So again, her Instagram is the collectress. And, uh, you know, this is something that we're, again, we're going to keep up for the foreseeable future. And, um, you know, there's so many people putting out really great content and it's going to vary. And there's going to be a lot of different people that, um, that we come across that if there's anyone that you guys think that we should follow, you know, definitely send them to us. Um, Jose, I know we didn't kind of prep you for this, but is there anybody <laughs> on Instagram or Facebook that, that you're enjoying their content right now? Um, it doesn't have uh, to be anything like, you know, uh, politically charged or anything like that. You know, it could just be someone that you're like, Hey, this person's doing dope drinks. Um, let me just kind of say, if you ever get a chance to be in the room with Ashton Berry, uh, you will walk away forever changed. Um, uh, I was, uh, uh, when I used to work for Angels Envy, uh, we were in Louisville and uh, she was one of the, uh, one of the speakers. And um, I, I tell you, I, no joke, walked away just thinking, and, and the particular topic was uh, inclusion. Um, uh, just amongst a, a variety of different topics, but the, the overall topic was inclusion. And, um, you know, it was a heavy room. Uh, people broke down, but I tell you, people walked away so much better for it. And I, I mean, to this day, um, it, it, it sticks with me. So uh, I wholeheartedly um, second that um, following uh, uh, Ashton. Um, kind of keep it. I guess a, a little local, um, someone who's, um, Instagram, uh, Josh, um, it's his Instagram handle, uh, Joshua tiger. Um, just because, you know, in keeping it local, but, uh, he has been, um, at every demonstration, uh, with greats, you know, uh, whether I was at work or unable to go, 
um, his live stuff, um, great photographs, um, along with, um, you know, uh, Fernando and the Aramis and, um, you know, that installation of that De Beers and stuff, uh, you know, bunch of, a bunch of great local guys, um, doing a lot of things locally, um, just for the cause and yeah. Absolutely. Hey, this is an international podcast, sir. Don't get too heavy on the local stuff. <laughs> hey, man. But Sacramento is great. You guys know that we love it. And there really is a lot of amazing people doing uh, good shit. So. Also, Josh's photography is fucking rad. So. Yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah, I agree with that. Totally. So what did, did you find his, what's his Instagram handle? Uh, I don't Joshua know. Tiger. Joshua Tiger. Great Instagram handle as well. Um, well, guys, that was a fun, in-depth uh, discussion. On can can, can I? Uh, you can't see me, but I'm raising my hand because I feel we it, we were remiss <laughs> if we did not mention this. I, uh, anytime I would ever write a paper I was in school, I, you know, you finish it strong with a good quote, and you rip off from someone else because someone has already said it better than you did. Okay. Uh, can I finish it with a quote? Please, oh, yeah. a good quote. Please do. Yes. Uh, if I'm an advocate for anything, it's to move as far as you can, as much as you can, across the ocean or simply across the river. Walk in someone else's shoes or at least eat their food. It's a plus for everybody. That was Anthony Bourdain, you know, and, you know, kind of. Uh, with I almost heavy, went to tears with that one. Fuck. The, the, heavy, the heaviness of, of today and what you were saying, Drew, about uh, food and hospitality, uh, food and beverage as a thing, but the underlying thing is uh, hospitality and um, you know what what he meant to to our industry what he meant to the mankind industry um yeah i mean i think just for some context best. yeah today we are recording on the anniversary unfortunately of of anthony's uh passing and you know yes it's definitely someone who's who's greatly missed and again you know uh an example of somebody is in this industry who was fighting a lot of demons and hopefully moving forward, we can help more people than, than we lose. Um, so that was a great quote. Thank you for all your contributions tonight, Jose. Um, you know, hopefully you guys open soon. Uh, if you find with yourself robots. in Sacramento, yeah, with robots, if you robots. guys find yourself in uh, Sacramento, please check out Empress Tavern. It is one of I know for both Chris and I, one of our favorite places to go to, uh, the experience is next to none. The food is incredible. Drinks are incredible. Um, just a really, really special place and definitely, uh, you know, uh, a shining spot in Sacramento as well. Uh, and we're neighbors also. So that it doesn't And your neighbors with a good <laughs> bottle and I'm a man about town. So I'm at all those places. Uh, so you guys, Thank you so much for, for the discussion. You guys, thanks for tuning in. Make sure to give us that five-star review and share with your friends. And again, check out you know Bar Magic's website to, re- to read the revival guide. Um, all that. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. 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 And robots. The Good Bottle Podcast was recorded at the Good Bottle Shop in Sacramento, California. Music is by Leon Moore and Chase Moore. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Good Bottle Podcast.